BFM 89.9. My name's Daryl Ong and you're tuned in to Banan, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. The Hanoi Sea Games has just wrapped up and if anything, the campaign serves us more questions than answers when it comes to our sporting prowess in the region. We surpassed our medal target, our KPI if you will, with 39 gold, 45 silver and 90 bronze medals. However, it's a feat that only puts us in 6th place on the standings and a whole 272 medals below host Vietnam, who of course ended up as champions of the SEA Games. For context, the last time we were 6th in the SEA Games was in 1983, so the Hanoi outing is the worst SEA Games performance for 40 years in terms of rankings. With that being said, it was a campaign that had a few upsides as well. And joining me to review the Malaysian contingent's performance, we have Nicholas Arniel, and we kick-started the conversation by asking a simple yet loaded question. What went wrong in Hanoi? I think you have to attribute it um, to quite a number of factors. Uh, this is not uh, a result that... Um, was a big surprise if you look at the bigger scheme of things. Hmm. If we were to compare ourselves on the medal uh, table with the other countries, we are far behind. Yeah. You know, we are in sixth place. If we if, if we were to even compare ourselves to Singapore, which is a much smaller nation, hmm. they have got eight gold medals uh, more than us. And then you're looking at Philippines and and the powerhouses, the so-called powerhouses of uh, ASEAN, which is Thailand, Vietnam, and Indonesia. Mm -hmm. They have left us quite a distance. So at at this point, we are not the best of the best. That's for sure. Uh, I wouldn't even say we are the best of the rest Mm. because we are languishing mid-table in this medal tally. And if you look at the nations below, you know, you have Myanmar, you have Cambodia, Laos, Brunei, Timor-Leste. Small countries, lack of sporting infrastructure, uh, they don't have a big pool of talents, you know. Mm. Sports, it, it, uh, more often than not, doesn't really, uh, you know, is given much of a prominence. But uh, in Malaysia, I think it's always been, you know, trying to get the best for our athletes, trying to to ensure that our athletes get the best training facilities and the best preparations. And here we are at 39 gold medals. No doubt we have uh, surpassed our gold medal tally, which is a very very low uh, mark to begin with uh, but that is nothing we should be uh, proud of at all and like you asked earlier what went wrong Um, I think first and foremost there has been a lack of preparation uh, Mm. due to a lot of tournaments being called off due to the pandemic we were supposed to have uh, Sukma games which is our national games that was called off a lot of the opens were called off as well but Again, that is not a reason because the pandemic is not exclusive to any certain part of the world. Sure. It happened <laughs> it, it, it happened all over the world and yeah. and we have no reason to say that we did not have a lack of preparation. But I also think that the support from the key stakeholders have been lacking this time. Um, if you remember last year when uh, the budget for this year was introduced, there was a massive slash. Uh, for sports, I, was just about I think to ask, it was yeah. uh, from uh, 940 million. They slashed it down to a, a little less than 300 million, mm. which was almost a 70% cut. Yep. So a lot of the sports associations found themselves cut uh, below the knees. And, and not only that, not only the budget was cut, 
the full-time athletes were cut as well. You know, uh, they only prioritized the athletes that were selected uh, for Sea Games and mm. Commonwealth Games and mm. the Asian Games and the elite athletes. And so a lot of these coming potentially talented athletes that would have made us proud were not given the opportunity to do so. Mm. And so that itself, I think, really affected the morale and the preparations of a lot of uh, not only the associations, but the athletes as well. I remember reading a lot of articles and even speaking to some of these athletes, you know, uh, who were on a certain uh, allowances monthly and their allowances were slashed to about 70% as well. And they were already struggling to put food on the table uh, to begin with. So when you can't even take care of your basic core needs, how are you going to focus on, you know, uh, doing your best uh, uh, for the country mm, when, yeah. you can't, when you can't even, uh, you know, uh, support yourself uh, financially. So I think these, these were uh, some of the key components that uh, contributed uh, to our performance. Mm. But it's not only that, it's the lack of vision, it's the lack of uh, proper uh, sporting uh, structure or sporting programs that were designed for our athletes to perform at multi-sports games such as this. You know, we had the podium program, we had the national backup programs. All of these were designed with, with millions invested into them. And then after one multi-sport failure, we go back and say, look, we need to have a post-mortem. Um, let's get a post-mortem done and dissect what went wrong. But the findings of this post-mortem were never made public at all. If you look at the last multi-sport game, which was the Olympics game, yep. until now there isn't a post-mortem made public of what went wrong, who was going to be held accountable. And not only that, the key reasons or the key methods uh, or key areas to fix these problems were never addressed. So... We were just bouncing from one event to another event in hopes of doing well. And it's the same this time around. Mm. The sports minister has asked for a post-mortem. What is going to happen to this post-mortem? We, we know the problem. We know all this problem. What, what's going to be the solution? We never seem to have solutions after a performance like this. And I think that has been the biggest issue. There hasn't been a unified address by all the key stakeholders to really understand and identify the problem and not only identify the problem, but seek ways to solve the problem. Yeah. And so we've just really addressed a lot of things on the surface level and moved on. And here we are. Yeah, it's problem after issue after issue after issue that keeps um, piling up, right? Like, like, like you alluded to, you know, you were quite on a rampage just now with everything that's wrong in uh, Malaysian local sport. But looking at our hosts, uh, Nick, in, Viet in Vietnam, they were overall champions with 446 medals, which, you know, it's not surprising. It's usually the case, right, that the hosts would end up at the top of the standings. But do you think, Nick, that medal tally should be especially at the SEA Games, okay? Should medal tallies be a barometer of uh, the strength of your sporting prowess for any country? Should that be the measure that, that people take into account? I think for uh, huge multi-sport games, like your Olympics, like your Commonwealth Games, like mm. your Asian Games, mm. the medal is the ultimate barometer of your sporting prowess, your sporting excellence. For the SEA Games, uh, that's not really the case because like you mentioned earlier, traditionally, the host country will always become champions, more often than not. In fact, in the last 11 editions, if I'm not mistaken, eight of the host nations uh, 
became champions yep. by a huge margin mm. and it's the same case here as well mm. vietnam won over 200 gold medals the next uh, country in second place thailand won less than 100 medals so in sea games context the medals are not really so much of a barometer because also the host country uh, traditionally will introduce sports that favors them yeah. so other countries are uh, have have more often than not not played the sport or very unfamiliar or are rookies at that sport so it gives them a massive advantage yeah. but in vietnam's case i would say their achievement at the sea games has been a long time coming because they have prepared for it they have really put together a solid structure they have put together massive investment uh, i was reading that they have spent uh, dating back to uh, 2014 or 2015 they spent 6 million just completely focused on olympic sports alone and they have a long term plan to develop their athletes as well and not only that in their country they are supported by club system by a club system mm. so you don't only have the national associations which are funneling and which are providing this pool of players you have respective clubs which are also contributing towards the quality and the pool of these athletes mm. and these clubs are in turn supported by private corporations and also sponsors that means there is external support you know and and this external support plays such a huge role because these external supports are usually in the form of private companies uh, big sponsors which have the funding to support the sports associations uh, respective missions uh, in in various multi sporting events so i think it's all these ingredients that have really contributed uh, to vietnam's success and not only that they also if i think you watch some of the uh, matches uh, some of the events that has been gone on especially football and badminton mm. the support from the public was unparalleled yep. like you know i was watching a lot of badminton and vietnamese are not a big powerhouse in badminton in fact towards the knockout stages of the individual events uh, they didn't have many representative but the arena was packed with uh with vietnamese you know supporting uh, just supporting these athletes in general yeah. and, and and likewise for football as well you know even when their country was not playing the stadiums were packed so i think that as well you know has played such a key role that the public are really you know uh throwing their support behind the athletes uh, regardless of sport hmm. because it's not just football and badminton you know yeah. it's other sports as well Yeah. And I think all of this has has played a key role um in Vietnam's success not only in the sea games but you know they also do well in the Asian games as well. So I think there is a lot for us to learn from Vietnam. If you if you're looking at at the 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 support from the government as well, it's not massive massive amount because they are, they are not on, they are not the only ones pumping in the money but they are also trying to get key Uh, stakeholders from from external sources mm. to help them out and this is how you can you can grow sports as a whole yeah they definitely had the blueprint right but uh, but definitely you know if if you the, if things are done right at the top if the passion is there at the top it will trickle down not just to the athletes but to the community to the fans like you say you know even if the country is not playing it'll be full out people are just there for the whole sea games spectacle right which which is which is quite crazy to me vietnam on the other hand outside multi uh, multi game sport 
you know, there was a lot of chatter about Vietnam possibly making it to the World Cup too. So it's it's, it's like a it's a long term kind of progress for them, right? It's definitely uh, something we should. Um, follow in the footsteps of Vietnam for sure but on to the Malaysian contingent's performance uh, I guess some of the sport uh, some of the games that shone the brightest um, include diving clean sweep took home 8 gold 3 silver in the bronze uh, athletics we had 5-3-8 karate 4-0-6 and cycling 2-3-3 um, would you say pre-games were you expecting this uh, amount of medals from these events? Yeah, I think when we spoke uh, before the games had started, mm. uh, our diving contingent had already amassed yep. four gold medals. Yep. Um, and we had both predicted that uh, this is going to be a clean sweep. Uh, and true enough, uh, it, it was. Uh, and it wasn't a surprise uh, because if you look at the diving uh, participation at the SEA Games, in total, there was only five countries, yeah. uh, including host Vietnam. Um, and... If we were to look at the quality of the divers, with no disrespect to the other competing nations, uh, our national divers were by far the better and the more quality uh, divers. You know, you, you're, you're talking about uh, Noda Beta, you're talking about Uzi Liang, you're talking about Pandalela. Mm. All these athletes have competed at the highest level at the Olympics game. They are medalists at the Olympics. They have they are medalists at the Asian Games. You know, they have won medals at the Commonwealth Games. So for me, uh, it, it would have been a surprise if we didn't get the clean sweep because uh, on paper and in just in terms of quality, we were head and shoulders uh, better than all these nations. As for cycling, also, uh, yes, I think they did uh, surprises, especially in the mountain bike. Uh, yeah. The mountain bike event uh, delivered a gold medal. For we weren't expected to, to get anything from that mountain bike event at all, exactly. right? Exactly, you know, because we are more towards uh, Kirin Tra- and yeah. Sprint, yep. you know, uh, more more velodrome-based uh, events that yeah. usually garners us the gold, but mountain bike uh, surprised us with this one, and there was a welcome surprise. Uh, and as for karate as well, very, very promising. Karate has always been a consistent medal a contributor, especially in the Sea Games, mm. and this time around, we had several debutants who delivered a goal. Yeah, um, and uh, including, I, I think this one athlete, you know, really stands out among the rest. Arsham Endren, um, he delivered uh, a, a goal in the Kumit uh, under seventy-five uh, kg, and and his achievement meant that he's now undefeated for the last three three editions of the SEA Games. Wow. So that, I think, is quite a fantastic uh, achievement and added on with the Kumit team, which uh, won us uh, the gold, the 36th gold, which, you know, pretty much uh, uh, was our KPI to begin with. Mm. So, yeah, no surprises there. Um, I think the big one was the mountain bike from the cycling mm. team. That was Nicholas Anil as together we've been reviewing the 2022 Hanoi Sea Games. We have more to come, so do stick around only here on Bar None, only on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong and this is Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Today on the program, we've been reviewing the recently concluded Hanoi Sea Games, which saw Malaysia ending up sixth in the standings with 39 gold medals. In case you missed it, it's the worst outing in 40 years for the Sea Games, but silver lining to the campaign was that 15 gold medals came from Sea Games debutants, while 9 were won by athletes below 21 years old. 
future is looking bright, Nicholas Anil joins us on program this week. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there are a couple of standout athletes in this in these uh, debutants. You know, uh, one of them was uh, our fencer Carlin Vinod Kamalanadan, who was only 15 years old. Mm. Became the youngest Malaysian ever to win gold. Wow. Um, and then we have uh, Nor Sarah Hadi, who is a sprinter, uh, but turned pole vaulter. And, uh, <laughs> she won us the pole vault gold. And the only reason why she decided to compete in the pole vault event was as a gesture to the Philippines team because the event would have been scrapped due to lack of participation. Oh. So that, that was another amazing uh, performance by this multi-talented athlete. Uh, and then, of course, we have uh, Nurul Shasha, who not only won a goal in the 10-meter uh, air pistol, but she also set a SEA Games uh, record. So I think these achievements uh, would be something uh, that the respective parties would really have to take into account. And for me, this, these are the gems that have been unearthed. When we spoke about um, these, our athletes' participation uh, before it started, mm-hmm. um, I had said that winning medals is not so much the barometer, but rather trying to unearth these gems because you never know when they would appear and you know how they would come. And, and, and there's a lot of element in, of surprises in how they do it. Yeah. And true enough, they have done it in such a fascinating and you know mind-blowing fashion to a certain extent. So I think uh, there's only uh, the way up for these athletes, but you know, this achievement just can't be can't be uh, stationary. You know, we gotta keep harnessing these athletes because they've already conquered it on the on the ASEAN stage. Now now we gotta go Asian, we gotta go Olympics. Mm. And, and that's the, the the next barometer for all these athletes. Yeah, but it really does back the question, right? What are we going to do with this unearthed jams? You know, how are we going to properly cater to their needs and, you know, bring them to that next level, which, you know, it's a, it's a story for another day, I guess. Um, but with the with highs comes to lows, Nick. On the other side of the coin, uh, our traditionally core sports failed to live up to uh, their gold medal expectations. Athletics won 5 out of 47 gold medals, shooting 2 out of 22. Taekwondo, 1 out of 19, and archery, 2 out of 10. Pretty dismal, uh, if you ask me. What will you attribute this to? Again, we have to go back to some of the some of the factors uh, that I had mentioned uh, earlier. One of it was definitely uh, the lack of competition. Funding played uh, a, a massive role. Uh, I think when when these whole budget cuts were announced, uh, the swimming association were really uh, stumped because um, I think they had already um, allocated a certain amount of budget for their development program and competitions and whatnot, and and being denied uh, getting those funds really hampered a lot of the preparations. Um, Another thing is that we had sent a fairly young contingent this time around. In fact, more than half of our contingent were were young. There were a lot of debutants. So um, if we were to compare that against some of the other more experienced athletes, then I would say we would have to come to sort of expect this sort of a result because you, you're sending a rookie to, to compete against athletes who have already won medals mm. in past editions. Mm. So, yeah, I think these are some of the main uh, reasons uh, behind these sports which have traditionally given us medals. Swimming was a big, big disappointment, I have to say, uh, because we have always done well in swimming. In fact, uh, in the Laos edition, some 11 years back, we won nine goals. And this time around, uh, we we... 
we failed quite abysmally. So uh, if you ask the association, uh, I think they would pretty much tell you what I'm telling you. You know, uh, the, the lack of funding hampered a lot of things. I don't know if they could have found another way around it, but also time was against them because the whole budget uh, was announced end of last year. Sea Games, you know, was a couple of months later. Mm. Uh, but yeah, this these are some of the factors uh, that have contributed mm. uh, to the sort of failure. I, I would have to say for these particular sports. Mm. Um, speaking of young squad, talking about football now and Brad Maloney's boys, young boys had a real solid run. You know, they're, again, they're one of a few teams without an overage um, footballer in the squad. Right, each country is allowed two or three or something like that, right? We brought all um, young young players and we went down in the semifinals to the host Vietnam, who, of course, had the advantage of a 40k crowd <laughs> at the stadium, right? We did quite well, didn't we? Um, all these uh, other factors, all this circumstance uh, aside, we did quite well, didn't we? Yeah, I think, I think uh, on the back of this tournament, um, just uh, on an overall analysis, I think... We did well. Uh, like you mentioned, we were one of the few teams to not send an underage uh, Overage. squad because we did not want to. Because also there was the under, there is the under 23 Asian Cup that is happening yep. early next month. Yep. So this was pretty much the warm up stage before we go to Uzbekistan for that under 23 uh, tournament. And I think all the performance all the all the positives we could take is what we will be using for the under 23 uh, asian games uh, we started off really well at the sea games you know we we came from behind to beat thailand mm-hmm. and then um, there was the draw against uh, singapore and cambodia we beat laos against vietnam i thought we did really well yeah. we kept our shape we defended really well no doubt they were the favorites they they were going to be on the front foot for for most of the game uh, and it played out like that. Uh, unfortunate to concede in extra time. And then against Indonesia, again, we should have won that game in 90 minutes because we were attacking for most of the games, controlled the match, um, you know, missed a lot of chances. I think if there was one area that needs to be improved is the conversion of uh, chances, mm. which we did not uh, do against Indonesia and ultimately uh, missed out on the bronze. But... Uh, on the back of um, of their performance, I thought it was a good performance. We sent a strong squad. The decision to postpone the league to allow some of these clubs to send the core players uh, worked out. Yep. It worked out because uh, now this team has chemistry uh, with each other. You know, they've played quite a number of games in the Sea Games. Uh, and right after this, it's the Asian Games. So, yes, we did miss out on a medal. But on the bigger picture... Uh, I think we are ready for the Asian game. And that is the bigger tournament. So, yeah. uh, sorry, Asian Cup. So let's hope that we go and, you know, uh, really give a good account of ourselves yeah. uh, at the Asian Cup. Yeah, this this football squad can definitely hold their heads high, right? Um, out of back of this event. Uh, but we move on to badminton now. And pretty interesting stuff is happening here. You know, a 23-year wait for a mixed doubles title has come to the end with doubles pair Cheng Tang Jae and Pek Yang Wei picking up uh, the gold medal. With that, Malaysia achieved one of the gold medals. Um, that was the target, right? Just one gold medal from badminton for this SEA Games. How you assess the overall performance of our badminton team? I think it was an expected uh, medal haul to begin, uh, just judging by the the contingent that we sent out, which was uh, 
fairly young contingent, yep. a fairly mm-hmm. inexperienced uh, contingent on the international stage. Yeah, to get that mixed double goal was crucial. It was instrumental because coming home empty-handed uh, from a badminton event at the yeah. Sea Games would have been unthinkable. It's not going to go would down well. Unthinkable. Yeah. So uh, Chen Tangjie and Pek Yanwei really provided the saving grace. And it, it was good to have that All-Malaysian final. It was a great final. I watched that match. They were really going at it. Uh, three games, Chen and Pek, I think they lost the first game and then stomped back to win the next two. Uh, but both pairs, you know, they, they, they really showed determination. Um, to go for a goal and and credit to to Chen and Peck, uh, they also had done well to get to the final in the first place. Uh, they had beaten the top seats uh, to get to the final and eventually win it. Um, as for the rest, our men's team did well to reach the team final. Um, if you watch the semi-final against Singapore, it, it did not look like we were going to reach the final because we are 2-0 down. Hmm. Uh, but credit to the team, they stormed back 1-3-2 to set up the final against Thailand. I thought the final against Thailand was a bit disappointing. The manner of defeats, um, we could have done better. Thailand were the favourites, no doubt, but I thought we could have nicked a point or two of them. Uh, it ended in a 3-0 defeat, but it was still good to get that silver. As for the rest, the women, for me, was quite disappointing. Um, no doubt, we sent a, a young team, but Again, you know, we were also up against a lot of young shuttlers mm. uh, from from these ASEAN countries and to not get anything. It was just one bronze by the women's doubles. And the uh, women's team in the in the team event, they had lost to Vietnam. I thought that was the biggest disappointment of all. Uh, regardless of who we send, we should not be losing to the likes of Vietnam. Mm. So, uh, overall, target barely achieved. But having said that, it has been a bold move by the Badminton Association of Malaysia to send this young team and they should continue sending young shuttlers to these kind of events because if you look at the badminton scene, there has just been so many elite tournaments yeah. and a lot, most of the time, these younger shuttlers will not get a chance to compete in your Thomas Cups or your Uber Cups in comparison to the elite athletes. So it's it's a great chance for them to, to show what they're made of uh, yeah. in uh, tournaments such as the Sea Games. Yeah, when, when the Sea Games was going on, there was the Thomas and Uber Cup as well as the Bangkok Open as well, right? So, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, to wrap things up, Nick, um, Youth and Sports Minister Datuk Sri Faisal Zumu, you're talking about post mortem, right? He has instructed the NSC and basically all national sports associations to review the involvement of senior athletes and those that failed to produce. W- would this be a case of clearing out the weeds in your garden? Uh, yeah, if the weed is cleared up and, and, and you know, proper fertilizers are put <laughs> uh, in order to make sure that the garden is uh, not really producing a lot of weed, you know, if I'm going in that context, this, this was expected that uh, the sports minister will instruct all the sports association to come up with a post-mortem. A post-mortem is the most natural, it's the most easy thing to instruct and Fine, you can come up with a 10-page, 20-page, 30-page post-mortem and highlight all the deficiencies. What are the steps to address these deficiencies? That's what everyone wants to know. We know the problem. We have seen it. Our athletes are just not up to par. But what is going to be done to fix it? Having said that, sports is very much also based on um, the ruling government to a certain extent. If the government 
changes, then there's going to be a new sports minister. There's yeah. going to be a new vision. There's going to be a new direction. Mm. And, and they will do it according to the KPI that has been set uh, by, by their bosses. But what happens to the national associations and more importantly, these athletes? How are they going to adapt? How are they going to have the right amount of support, uh, the right exposure and the right platform to showcase their talent now this is the biggest question this is not again this is not the first time you know in in the olympics last year it was also an abysmal performance only one bronze one silver and if we go back before that the asian games commonwealth games we have not done well either but none of those findings have been made clear uh, for us to have improved for this multi-sport events so Will we have time to get these findings and at the same time find uh, remedy solutions before the next SEA Games rolls along, mm. which is next year yeah. in May. Cambodia? Yeah. We have like about a year left. In this year span, will we see a stark improvement? I highly doubt it, but I hope to be proven wrong. Mm. I really hope to be proven wrong. We'll have to see what what um, the NSA's uh, response are. Um, if everyone is going to give a post-mortem and also a solution. But at the same time, I think the whole structure of our sporting system needs a major overhaul. The grassroots is pretty much non-existence. Uh, in fact, I was speaking to a football coach uh, recently and, you know, uh, naturally we go back to grassroots. And I think he summed it up perfectly. He told me, uh, Nicholas, we are not a sports-inclined culture. In schools, they prioritize education and religion more than sport, mm. which is fine. But having said that, sports should also be given a certain degree of importance, which is not. And if you're failing at that very basic core level, then it's going to spill over to the elite level. And when we come out to test ourselves against even ASEAN athletes, this is the result. That was Nicholas Anil as together we've been reviewing the 2022 Hanoi Sea Games. With that, we've come to the end of this week's Barnan. But if you'd like to revisit that episode, the podcast will be up real soon, www.bfm.my forward slash Barnan. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. My name is Daryl Ong and this has been Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week, only here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station.